Classical Christian folks often talk about the importance of reading the great books. But who decides what is a great book? How about Captain Underpants or Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Are they going to be great books someday? The answer really matters, and you may be surprised as to why. Stay tuned as we hear from Dr. Louis Marcos on this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it Ancient Future Education for Raising the Next Generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now your host, Davies Owens. Hey, Kelly, how many books do you think the average American reads? Oh, yeah, like in a, a year? year? Oh, I'm going to be disappointed, I bet, but hopefully uh, at least no. five. No, no, not a five. Mm-hmm. I, actually, it it's, depends on who you, who you ask, but it's about three books. It's about three books. Three mm. books. And I'm not sure that even, there's no qualification of the three books. It could be, you know... Sports Illustrated that, Yeah, is preview. that a book? I don't know. I mean, I, I do know that the average American <laughs> watches about 100 movies for every one book they read. Wow. So, yeah, and here we are, where kids are in these schools and they're supposed to be reading these great books. And I don't know, I think that's a pretty, that's a new reality for a lot of families. No, I think it definitely is. And I know as, as a parent, one of the things I challenge with is what books do my kids should they be reading? What do I want them to be reading? Right on some level, you want to introduce them and have them be excited and interested in reading anything at all. But at a certain point, well, what what do you heard, want them no, to be spending point, their time? Because our parents reading? say, "Well, yeah, I'm just excited. They're, they're they're interested in reading the Diary of a Wimpy Kid." I'm like, "Is that really? Do you want them to read that? I mean, they need to eat too. But do you feel yeah. Fruit Loops? I mean, is there a point where it does matter? It definitely matters. I'm super excited about the guest today." Uh, on Basecamp Live, Dr. Louis Marcos. He is a professor of English and Modern Languages at Houston Baptist University. He is an authority on C.S. Lewis, lectures on ancient Greek and Rome, Rome uh, at their Honors College. This guy's written all these amazing books, A to Z uh, to Middle Earth with J.R. Tolkien. Um, he's written another book, A to Z with, to Narnia with C.S. Lewis. He is a popular speaker. He's delivered over 300 public lectures on Lewis and others. And what I love about Louis is he's a, he's a professor, but he's committed to what he calls being a public educator. He believes that knowledge must not be walled up in the academy, but it must be disseminated to all who have ears to hear. So, And he's got the personality he, he to do it. Character. He's a character. He is super fun uh, to chat with. So I, I said, hey, Louis, walk us through. Why do we need to read the great books? Does it really matter? And I was pretty impressed with his answer. So. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. I mean, I just think about when you do think about what your kids are reading, those themes that are important and difficult and challenging yeah. and complex reading, it's hard to figure out what well, are the best. So yeah, it, well, I was going to say, you know, I think a lot for a lot of us, I can, we didn't have an amazing experience reading the great books. We probably, they were probably not presented to us in an amazing way. That's what I was going to say. They can be a yeah. little dry and, and lengthy, and if you're not being fed them by someone who's excited and energized it's, by yeah. it, you so, can get lost a little right, bit. I'm glad to say they're great books for great reasons, and uh, Dr. Lou Marcus is going to bring that alive. So let's jump into this interview with Dr. Marcus. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here live at the ACCS conference back for a second year. This is a hard to believe that Basecamp uh, podcast is now a year old, and I am so super excited to begin this year out with Dr. Louis Marcos. How you doing, Louis? Great, great to be here. It is so good to have you here. Folks who don't know you, they need to know you. Um, you are, uh, and let's share a little bit of your background. You've got a, a BA in English and in history from Colgate University, and then PhD and a, a Master's in English from the University of Michigan. You are a professor 
uh, and scholar-in-residence at Houston Baptist University, where you teach courses on British, Romantic, and Victorian poetry and prose, the classics, and C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and art and film. You are a busy guy, it sounds like. I've been busy. <laughs> it sounds like you are, yep. Um, and then I mentioned this, author of 18 books, um, and I love some of these titles, uh, On the Shoulders of Hobbits. That's just a great title. I want to hear more about that. Uh, Literature, A Student's Guide, um, The Dreaming Stone, and then this interesting book, In the Shadow of Troy, in which kids become part of Greek mythology and the Iliad and the Odyssey. So, uh, As you can imagine, C.S. Lewis is yeah. my uh, sort of role model. Yeah, yeah. And that means two things. It means, first of all, that I want to be a generalist rather than a specialist. I yep. have specializations, but I believe that a true literature professor needs to be a renaissance man. The other thing I learned from Lewis is the need to write in all different genres. Mm. So I write nonfiction books, but I felt that there are certain things you can say better in a children's novel. Yeah. So I wrote a book called From Achilles to Christ, Why Christians Should Read the Pagan Classics. But then The Dreaming Stone sort of incarnates the idea that Christ is the myth-made fact, but it brings it alive for these children, my children actually, yeah. who are becoming a part of Greek mythology. So Unbelievable. it's important to write in all the different genres, yeah. I think. Yeah, and to attract different audiences. So I want to actually begin there. Uh, Louis, this is what's it's interesting to me. Um, you know, I grew up kind of public school, uh, private school for a little bit in Atlanta kid, and I read, I, I remember summer reading being one of the low points of the year for me. Um, I had, I, everybody was outside playing, and I was reading like Contiki or something. Oh, and it was just a very... Um, I, I don't know that the love of reading was instilled in me early. And I suspect some parents are listening, uh, are probably like a lot of Americans. It, it, from the statistics I'm seeing, uh, we are reading less and less. Pew did a study out recently, and I think the best case scenario is maybe the average American reads four books a year, but no one can determine, did they actually finish the book? They just started the book. And then there's the obvious question of, well, what book are you reading? Is it some kind of a right. you know, Harlequin thing? or you know, is it? And the idea of reading the classics is such a foreign concept probably to most parents. It uh, is, and you know, it all starts in the nursery with parents that actually read to their kids. It's, yeah. it's got to start there. Not only because by reading to your children, you are getting them interested in reading, yeah. but by showing your children that you love reading, yeah. they will pick up on it. And so they model us. We need to be reading something more than magazines. <laughs> they need to see us read. So People Magazine isn't really a Yeah, a, a it just fair, doesn't count. Not good literature. What's, it just it, doesn't it, count. Well, you know, we, you and I were talking before we started recording. It is interesting. I, um, I have in my file cabinet, I keep this, art, this copy of a 1923 National Geographic, and it's, it strikes me as so strange. Here, less than 100 years ago, National Geographic, a, a publisher took out a full-page back ad that couldn't have been cheap then, and it's a it's a picture of the bindings of all of these great books, and they're the great great books of Western civilization. That a lot of our classical Christian schools read, wow. and then the tagline is uh, sign our, our they want you to basically subscribe to this book of the month club in order to here's the tagline. Uh, read the books that charmed you in your youth. <laughs> How so, far we've come. So, How far we've fallen. Can you imagine a day where, like all of the great literature of Western civilization, you would have been invited as an adult to reread it, that you had already read it before. And here today, we're average American, I think, 100 movies, watch for every book they read. When I'm, so I, I just want to, with your, your expertise in literature, I think the basic question I'm curious about is, is why, why do we care so much about reading? Maybe that's an obvious question, but I'm just, how do you answer that? Well, it's I mean, first of all, we've become a visual society. Yeah. More and more visual, more and more visual, and we've lost, I mean, part of the problem is that we live, uh, a good way to put it is, we live much easier lives than our great-grandparents and even our grandparents. Yeah. But we live much more complicated lives than they did. Mm. I think that 
we've lost our sense of priorities. We're always rushing around here and there, taking the kids here and there, never stopping to digest a kind of reading mm -hmm. that takes time. Mm -hmm. And you know, one way to do it is, you know, spend a half hour before you go to bed, not reading a magazine, mm. but reading book one of the Iliad or book one of the Odyssey and making your way through it that way. Yeah. And, and again, until we revive our love of reading the classics, how can we expect our kids to? Yeah. If, yeah. We, if we listen to terrible music on the radio, that's what our kids are going sure. to listen to. If we model good <laughs> listening and good reading yeah. and show them that it's valuable to us, if we talk during the dinner table about what we've been reading in the Odyssey, suddenly there's an excitement. But we have lost this sense of the need to wrestle with a complicated book. Right. We want things prepackaged for us, easy, yeah. quick. Now, we want to read the headlines. Now, th this, uh, my fear is, and I'm, I'm putting my parent hat on, this, this feels like you're the health guy and you're telling me, you know, three times a week and cardio would be a really good thing to do. And I'm thinking right now, Louis, I'd love to do that. I Believe me, I'm buying your deal. I, I'm buying the idea, but I am so busy and I'm just excited to kind of survive every day. And I don't know that I can go work out four times a week or in this case, read the classics maybe as much. And, and part of it may just be, honestly, I think for if you've not grown up learning to kind of cultivate that appetite, the Iliad might be kind of intimidating. It I, would I, be. The Odyssey's yeah, a better story. Right, right. But one, one way to do it is, you know, now we have all these wonderful books on tape. Mm. When you're commuting to I, work... Actually, I don't think tape's still around anymore. Oh, yeah, that's true, I suppose. <laughs> Boy, not even I, CD, I know books on you, iPad. It, you know? I, I think it's probably, yeah, stream the Streaming book. Streaming digital stuff. Well, yeah. But to, to, see, because we need to be able to get ourselves in the story. Well, one way to think about it's this. Most Christians are familiar with that phrase that's popularized, what would Jesus do? Yeah. It's been around for over 100 years, actually. I'd like to get parents and their students to start thinking this way. What would Achilles do? What would Odysseus do? Hmm. What would Aeneas do? What would Oedipus do? And, and not to mention what would Gandalf do if we're reading <laughs> The Lord of the Rings. Right. What, what I'm getting at is that we need to get ourselves injected back into a story. I mean, one of the reasons I think that binge-watching has become so popular now, not just for kids, but for their parents oh, and yeah. their grandparents yep. now. Netflix that, style. Yeah, the whole yeah. Netflix. I mean, yeah. what happens is when you watch a 10-episode show, it's exciting because you're getting into the lives of these people. Yeah. Like Downton Abbey would be a good example yeah. of that. We get lost in that. We need to understand that we can do that more richly in a novel or in an epic or a mm. poem, mm -hmm. but it's a little more challenging. It's a little more active. It's not quite so passive, yeah. but we need to, but it's, it's going to take a little more endurance in the beginning. But again, the Odyssey is the best way to start because it's so exciting. You know, yeah. the, and, and really the best place to start is just learning mythology, Edith mm. Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And then from mythology, move on to the Iliad and the Odyssey. Move on to the Greek tragedies. So, start with that. So I want, I want to come, we're going to take a break in a minute. When we come back, I want to understand, um, kind of, you started down this road, of what, kind of give me a, a reading list for kind of the, 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 the parent that hasn't dusted off a book in a while and like where would we start and how would we do that I want to get to that but it may be a more basic question before we get a break it's just help it help us understand how is it or what it, I kind of said uh, I'm trying to rephrase the question really, really how is it that we can see a transformed uh, virtue or a life through through literature in other words if you stick around a Chris, classical Christian school for long you're going to hear um, in an open house or on the website, sort of this declaration of come to our school, in the case of the Amber School where, where I have 
I am and where others uh, around the country, this idea of we read like 125 of the great books of Western civilization. And I, and I wonder if most parents hear that. And again, it kind of comes off like those. that's the meaty stuff. It's kind of like you do push-ups in, in, in PE class. You kind of have to read the, the hard stuff. It makes your brain hurt. Right. It makes it's good for you. But we know it's not just that. It's that it actually, God uses this truth that's spanned the decades. These students find themselves in this literature. So I want to, am I on the right track? Yeah, is that kind of what's good. happening? Yeah. yeah. So um, why don't we take a quick break? I want to come back and I'd love some examples of how literally, as you've taught, mm. like just to help a parent see this story literally framed up a virtue or a way of seeing the world that forever changed the child. I want to hear how that works. Great. Okay. Great. We'll be right back after the break with Louis Marcus. Hey, Kelly, can you believe that this summer we're going to be hitting our 100th episode? Wow, that came fast. It is amazing. And I have been so humbled by the, the feedback from people around the, around the world who have said this has really been meeting a need. So, um, you know, trying to, trying to address really what is classical Christian education, kind of basics 101. We've talked a little bit about cultural issues, what's happening, you know, it's Barna's updates on things, and then just parenting. I don't know. It's been helpful to have uh, just somebody to come alongside us. Yeah, we talk about how hard no one climbs alone, right? We all were created to have community and culture around us, and it's good to yeah. be able to have that support and to know other people are on the same path we are. Well, and speaking of our climbing metaphor, I've got an idea for something new I want to do that I'd love for the listeners to jump in on and kind of maybe call it the climber series. But I've been humbled by the number of people that are just in all different places, all walks of life who are who are, who are educating their kids classically. And I, and I want to hear their story. So if you're listening and really whoever you are, wherever you are, you may be in a five-day school or you're doing a co-op thing or a homeschool thing, and this was kind of a discovery for you, I'd love to hear your story and maybe even put you on. We'll do like a three or four minute kind of little interview of what people are doing because it's super encouraging. So if you're listening and you love to share your story, just drop us an email, info at basecamplive.com and love to, to um, hear what's going on in your world. Yeah, you're not alone. There are a lot of people on the same journey you and are. And it's pretty encouraging. All right. Well, I hope folks will email in. Thanks. Welcome back to Basecamp Live. We are actually live at the ACCS conference having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Louis Marcos about the role of books and literature. And I just ask you, Louis, I, it seems like at one level, all parents kind of check the box. Yes, it's good for my kids to read these harder books. We know that Captain Underpants is not good literature, <laughs> and we know that, that Lewis is better literature. Right. But give us an example of a moment when a child came alive because they were reading this timeless uh, writing. Let, let, let me kind of set this for parents, okay. especially Christian parents. Yeah. All right. We all know that we're reading the New Testament, and the New Testament teaches us about virtue. It teaches us about the life that Christ wants us to lead, right? Yeah. Lots of epistles, all sorts of wonderful things. But let's contrast a verse from the epistle with when we read the book of Acts and we see the dramatic change in mm. St. Paul. We see this guy that's breathing out threats, that's going up to Antioch to drag more Christians, men, women, children, into jail. And suddenly, he struck down blind in the road to Damascus. And we see dramatically how God takes this angry person and changes him into the great apostle to the Gentiles. Mm. 
You, you see the difference? Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between reading, say, the epistles where we're given rules and regulations and living mm-hmm. on the Roman road yeah. with Paul. Yeah. Okay. In the same way, we read the Aeneid. Aeneas, in some way, is the first great immigrant, right? Here's somebody who has to leave Troy, everything he knows, his city's burned behind him, and he needs to found another city. What's going to become Rome? But he doesn't know where he's going. And even when he founds this city, it's not going to be great until thousands of years Mm. after he dies. And yet, when we read the Aeneid, we are participating in the journey of a man who needs to learn all new strategies for living. He grew up with one worldview or paradigm, we would say. During the trip, he slowly morphs from a Trojan to a proto-Roman. Now, I could give you a little bit of lecture on what it means to be a Roman, but when you read and participate in Aeneas's journey, now you're struggling with how difficult it is to take your talents and use them in a new way. Mm. Just like Peter went from being a fisherman to a fisher of men, right? When we read the Aeneid, even though it's a secular pre-Christian pagan guy, we are we are allowed not just to learn, but to feel, to walk alongside him. That's the aha moment when we suddenly realize, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, let's say maybe like me, your grandparents came from Greece and they were immigrants. Oh my gosh, this is what my grandparents did yeah. so I can be where I am. So it's really, it, it's, I've used the analogy before, and I, you tell, maybe it's, I should have checked with you first, but it's sort of like we take our kids in to give them uh, a, a smallpox uh, <laughs> vaccination, and we actually are injecting a little bit of uh, of that poison in their arm. Yeah. And I think a lot of maybe more fundamentalist Christian parents would look at our reading list and go, oh my goodness, you are reading some very unsavory, ungodly yeah. things. It's not that we're reveling in them. We want our students to see decisions made well and decisions mm-hmm. made poorly. Again, is that a fair, kind of, it's kind of a vicariously right. living this out. Yeah. And we need to understand that at the heart of Christian theology, whether you're Catholic or whether you're Calvinist, at the heart of Christian theology is the difference between general revelation and special revelation. Yeah. Now, special revelation is God speaks to us directly through the Bible, through Christ, through the prophets. General revelation is the way he speaks to all people, Jew and Gentile alike, through conscience, through creation, even through literature. Mm-hmm. And so... Again, when we're reading pre-Christian literature, God is preparing the heart for the fuller revelation that's to come. Mm -hmm. But we need that preparation so that when we encounter the fullness of the truth, we're ready for it. I'm sure most of the people that are listening understand that Christ, I'm sorry, that Aslan is the Christ of Narnia. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he is what Christ would have been or what the second person of the Trinity would have been if he'd been incarnated in Narnia. Now, at the very end, in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, amazingly preserved in the secular movie, uh, Aslan tells the children, uh, 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 Lucy and Edmund, that you will not be coming back to Narnia. This is your last trip to Narnia. And they said, oh, how can we live never being to Narnia? And, and Lucy says, it's not really Narnia, you know, it's you. Mm. How can we live never seeing you again? And he says, but you will see me again. And she says, you mean you're in my world too? <laughs> and he says, yes, but there I go by a different name. Now, a lot of Christians stop there. like, Oh, cool. Jeez, that's you. But it's more. He goes on to say, the very reason that you were brought into Narnia is so that by knowing me here a little, you will know me better there. Right. So knowing 
the Christ of Narnia prepares them for the full revelation. In the same way, when we struggle with Achilles over our own mortality, or we struggle with Odysseus about what it means to come home, or we struggle with Aeneas to fulfill a duty that's been given to us that we never really wanted. When we struggle with these pagans, yeah. God is preparing our heart for the fuller virtues that he's going to call us to. And of course, most of our teachers, hopefully all of them, are not just leaving it there. Right. I mean, this isn't a, a Harkness discussion where we sort right. of, what does, it, what does it mean to you? I mean, right. we're going to bring it back to biblical truth. And, and you're right. The, here's Aslan, but let me show you the story of Christ. Right. Now you see the full. And I, I look at John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, that was obviously written to try to right. help embed a story that's really the Christian life. I mean, is that and we, works and in the remember, same way? Yeah. We are part of a story. Yeah. We are part of, they call it a meta-narrative, this overarching story or narrative of creation, mm-hmm. fall, redemption, and restoration. Yeah. We are in and part of a story. Just as much as we're, I mean, Christ <laughs> teaches us through theology, yeah. but he also teaches us through our participation in this story that's ongoing. Yeah. So the bottom line is these books are about a task or, or doing a work within us and within our students way beyond just the maybe the obvious uh, learning to tell a story. And this is right. the tragedy of spark notes and cliff uh, notes. I mean, they're just, they're gutting literature. They are. Yeah. Because it's not just about the, the bare bones of the plot. It's about participating in all of the details, experiencing mm. it as you go along the road. It's, it's the same thing that draws people to Narnia and to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Here are places not only that are real, but where decisions are real. Yeah. The decisions we make have consequences, real consequences. Right. And we struggle alongside them. Yeah. And, and again, and, that's, you know. And that becomes hopefully the transferable wisdom that they take with them and remember 10 years later. I know the outcome of yeah. that decision is not yeah. going to be good. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and we knew. And what happens when we read a pagan liter- work of literature, we need to start by asking ourselves, what is this world, this, this paradigm, this microcosm, how does it run? What does it take to be a hero or a villain in this world? Mm -hmm. Let's understand it. Let's wrestle with it. Mm. I mean, Dante explains in the Divine Comedy, he explains that without him knowing it, the God of the Bible was using Aeneas to lay the foundation of the Roman Empire because it would eventually become the church. So without knowing it, he was being used. Yeah. These are are fascinating points, again, that we may not understand if we've not read it. And again, as you're speaking, I'm thinking back, boy, I think I read these stories and I think it was in an anthology right. thing, <laughs> kind of pre-digested for me. Right. So I hope that what parents are hearing is that, I mean, lean into this idea that your your children are going through uh, this amazing journey of reading, I don't right. know, whatever the number is, 100 plus oh, of the yeah. greatest books that have formed our Western civilization. And as parents, I think so often we feel like, ah, I got gypped. Like I am coming at this, I'm coming late to the, to the, to the uh, experience. Help us out. Those of us who are are hearing this going, you know what? I'm convicted. I'm going to put down people magazine. I think I should read something else. Uh, And you walk into wherever uh, the bookstore. And I know the new thing now, like you get kind of these uh, retro classics that are like, they got the shiny (laughs) glossy binding on them and nobody can really crack them open. But, where do we begin? What, what I mean, do you? I, I mean, yeah. To me, the epics are the place to begin. The Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid, Dante's Divine Comedy, right up to Paradise Lost, Milton. But some tragedies are good too. Pick up Oedipus again and Antigone again, and wrestle and struggle with them. So, right? if you, do you need to? And again, I'm just asking for someone who's just not gone down this path before. Do these are they are they books that 
present characters and storyline in a way that the average person kind of figure out? Do you need sort of to pre-read something else to understand the backstory on kind of how this plays out? Like if somebody picks up a Shakespeare play, you know, it's probably going to be a little tough yeah. to get through it. I mean, the language is part of yeah. it, the old, old English. But, but yeah. the good idea is just to read it through quickly. Yeah. Then you could go back again. Yeah. You know, there's still <laughs> a good book. What is it called? Uh, How to Read a Book by... by uh, uh, yes, uh, I know. <laughs> It'll come to me. Yeah. We'll put it in the show uh, notes. Yes. But, 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 but yeah, I mean, that, that's a good way of helping. But to understand that the first time you read a great book, you don't have to understand everything. Yeah. Read it through. Get it for the plot. If you have to get a book on tape and listen to it while you're communicating, so, get started that way. Yeah. So I wanna, as you're saying that, I'm, it's, I'm remembering when I was 18, I was studying at Labrie Fellowship. Everybody hears me talk about Labrie. I had a mm. British educator, Donald Drew, who was a Cambridge professor. And I was just a kind of starry-eyed American teenager and I, you know, I read Campus Life magazine and thought oh, I had right. done, a, done a big read for the day and he said now I want you to sit down and he had me reading Martin Lloyd-Jones' theology books or sermons or other great literature and I remember my point in mentioning this was that he just said look just read one page today just read a page and put it down and think about it and so I think we're, we're Americans we want to do speed and volume and see how right. fast we can go but I think what I'm hearing you say is look just crack open yeah. these books and read a page of it yeah. and kind of absorb it and think about it and build those muscles. If you and, want, yeah. read, it, read it devotionally. Spend 20 minutes a night. You, yeah. might, you, you might pick up uh, uh, the Confessions of St. Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit thick, but it's full of questions. Mm, that's you're, an excellent you're, you're, book. You're journeying with him yeah. along the road. Pick up Pilgrim's Progress again. Mm. And read it's it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a good place to start. And, and that's accessible. I mean, again, it it's, got, it's got deep thoughts, uh, but the language, unlike Shakespeare, you, you're not going to get yeah. lost in uh, necessarily. So. And it's not bad. If you want to start, <laughs> just read the Chronicles of Narnia again. That's a great Lord point. Lord of the Rings is a little bit more difficult. Right. You know, build yourself, a little, read a little G.K. Chesterton maybe, uh, something with a little bit more depth, the Father Brown mm-hmm. series mm-hmm. or something like that, the yeah. de- detective novels, uh, short stories and novels, both actually. Um, but you, you need to get yourself back into the frame right. of reading, into the joy. Of it. And, and, you know, another good way to begin is with uh, Jane Austen, mm. Pride and Prejudice or something I'm sure like the that. guys will love that. Yeah, oh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> or, or even a Dickens yeah. novel, Tale of Two yeah. Cities is a great yep. place to start. Yep. Very exciting uh, Oliver Twist or something sure. like that, uh, yeah, but uh, you know we, we need to get back in, like you said, flexing those muscles. That's a great way to look at it. So it, I know we're running running out of time here. Do you have a strong opinion if someone chooses to do like an audible book or you know not on tape but a, a, a digital book? Is there a? I'm sure that that's probably not as good as, as reading it just right. from a comprehension standpoint. But but it's a good place it's a to start. Fair place to start. Yeah, it's yeah. a good place to start. And if you if you want to go more slowly. You can start by listening to a radio play version, mm. like the Chronicles of Narnia from Focus on the Family. That's acted out, but still very, very faithful. That's a great idea. And then from there, move to something where where they're actually reading it out loud. Yeah. And, and if you get a good audible, the person's doing voices for everybody, so yeah. you're, you're, right. you're being drawn into it. Right. Uh, but I, I think that's a good place to, to yeah. start. Then you'll want to pick it up and read it on your own. Right. But don't but don't feel like you're doing some lesser work. Right. No, that's a great point. And you made a comment earlier that I want to kind of end on, which is just. We as parents uh, get to kind of relive our our education through yeah. our kids, and I and I think if you start early, those of you who ha- have you know, grammar school kids, you, this is the kind of thing. What are you listening to in the car? And if you pull up, you know, or maybe at right. night, play the, the the Chronicle of Narnia yeah. books. And guess what? The adults get to listen to it too. Oh, and it's I, it's a double win. With my kids, I drove all over the country. We listened to the Focus and the Family. There's also BBC did a 13 hour radio play version of Lord of the Rings. That's excellent. Excellent. Very very faithful to the novel. And, and again, that's a way of just slowly yeah. getting, and then, again, then look for, you know, the, the books where it's actually read out loud, yeah. and then move to having the book in hand, and yeah. see if you start enjoying that again. 
takes a little a little while, but as you get in there, again, for a lot of people, novels sure. are maybe a good place to start. Well, and again, the blessing of being in a classical Christian school is you've got uh, students that come home every day, and they've got a reading list, and they're going to read it with your kids. Jump in with them, it. yeah, discuss and, it and catch dinner. the vision of what they're up to because yeah. it's a big deal. Well, yeah. Louis Marcus, thank you so much it's for being a be part here. of. This. Hey, if people want to know more about you and and read some of your books, where, how do we learn about you? Just go lumarcos.com, L-O-U-M-A-R-K-O-S.com, Wonderful. or just go to Amazon and type my name in for my author page. All right. We look forward to even Ray, more thanks. books from me. Thanks for inspiring Ray, us to, to read. Thanks All so right. much. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Basecamp Live. You know, raising the next generation of young people isn't easy, but we'd like to offer you some opportunities to join your fellow travelers in this journey of ancient future education. Hey, Kelly, you know what's really exciting? We just added to the website, BasecampLive.com, a whole section that's uh, designed around getting the word out. It's called Start Here. If you're new, it tells you how to get fully subscribe to it. If you're a school leader, um, you can you can link on to your school website and kind of get updates every time we do a new show is released. It appears on the school website. That's kind of that's kind of exciting. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is this new climbers idea that we're putting together. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just simply we want to hear stories. I mean, the, what, what I'm humbled by are the number of people literally around the globe who are saying there's a better way to raise the next generation and they're jumping in whatever their context is. And we want to know what you're doing and kind of how you discovered this. And we're just going to create some kind of smaller little vignettes of stories of people. And uh, so, yeah, info at BasecampLive.com. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, we don't have to do this alone. Info at BasecampLive.com. That sounds great. All right. Thanks for joining us and see you at the next episode.